You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome back once again and we are here as ever to take a look at the stories of the week. We've got quite a lot of small stories uh, about Apple, we've got a couple of security comments and uh, Vinny has his say about a couple of uh, predictions. So there we go. Um, I'm joined as ever by Nick. Hello Nick. Hi Simon. Uh, uh, you are recording, aren't you? I am recording. <laughs> yes, we didn't check before we started. No, but I, I thought no. I'd, I'd <laughs> I've been, yeah, yeah, I'm recording. Don't worry. And uh, we're joined by Jim. Hello, Jim. Yeah, two weeks in a row. Yeah. Back. <laughs> yeah. Small, yeah. <laughs> you'll be you'll be back. To, you'll be back to being a regular soon. There we go. All right. So Ooh. there we are. Um. So, as I say, quite a lot of little stories. Um, One of the first was, of course, that Apple have uh, put out iOS 16.0.2 with a load of bug fixes. Um, Haven't got a link mention it, but um, it fixes the iPhone 14 Pro camera shake and mechanical noise. Um, I believe it also fixed the uh, cut and paste um, bug where you, well, you know, mild annoyance, where it kept saying, do you wish to allow this? That's been fixed as well. Um, I think that was probably the main the main thrust of that. I'm sure there were some other bug fixes in there, but that uh, if you haven't got that, you should rush out and get that, although I'm sure your phone will have prompted you. Have you, have you gone on to that, Nick, Jim? Not yeah. yet, oh, no. Okay, good. So you've both got it. Oh, I must admit, camera shake sounds a little bit like shake and vac, doesn't it? Yeah, of course. uh, I'm just about to start singing, did the camera shake? (laughs) (laughs) Of course, none of us have got 14 pros, so we can't, you know, it doesn't really make any difference. No, no. No. that's true. That is true. Um, Oh, I've got... um, um, that I haven't got a link, but there were contradictory stories during the week about the uptake of iOS 16. Um, I saw one article saying it's lagging behind iOS 15, and then a couple of days later, one saying it's you know got a faster uptake than iOS 15. So make of that what you will. Um, guessing you know that just depends however what period you want to measure it doesn't it so there we are um uh, the fact is apple ble- bleated on about how what what good uptake <clears throat> they got didn't they uh, over over the years and the fact is there's an awful lot of machines out there now and they don't uh, there's a lot of normal shall we say normal Normal yes. people using them <laughs> who don't update as soon as the update comes along and all that kind of thing. So yep, it's not really went... a measure of anything. No, it's not. You know, unless it was a drastic, you know, if it was a drastic fall behind, then maybe. But yes. I mean, these things, I always find these things a bit pointless. I mean, the other one was um, we had one saying, oh, you know, Apple iPhone 14. Uh, you know, has been disappointing. I think it was Ming-Chi Kuo. Um, and the pro models are selling much quicker than the standard models. Uh, and this proves that Apple's strategy has, quote, unquote, failed, which mm-hmm. I think at the time we both, I've certainly said to people, that's a nonsense. Um, Apple always expects the pro to sell better. I think we had a story a few weeks ago where Apple said they expected 85% of the initial uptake of the iPhone 14 range to be the pros. Um, so, and I'm, I mean, the fact the fact is that the initial uptake is heavily um, affected these days by well by YouTubers and everyone everyone who does a review 
Well, yeah. <laughs> tends, to, tends to get them first so that they can do their reviews. So, uh, yeah, yeah. There's that. And I, always, I also think that, you know, the sort of people who are poised on the buy button the second the new phones are released are heavily skewed towards tech fanatics and um, Apple watchers, not watches, watchers. Um, watchers. <laughs> who, you know, who definitely wish to get the biggest, most expensive one with all the bells and whistles. And therefore, the, the first three months or first quarter or whatever, almost always heavily skewed towards the more expensive models. As we, you know, as you said, yeah. more normal people often wait until it's, you know, anniversary, Christmas, birthday, end of their contract. It'd be interesting. It'd be whatever. interesting to know how many people have got their 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 phones set to update automatically, and how many of them. Can you do that on the phone? You can do yes, it on you your can. Mac, can't you? You can do it on the Mac. Yeah. I think uh, you can on the phone. Yeah, it could it could be that there's a fair number of people who've got it set so that you know they it only updates when they tell it to. Yeah, yeah. I think I've got Um, mindset for automatic, but uh, more often I'll force it to update myself. It doesn't seem to do. Yeah. um, Well, I think the easily. It's a bit. It's a bit hesitant. I suppose it depends on where you are in the queue. (laughs) Well, I think if you have Mm, it set on automatically, Apple actually don't. If you leave it to automatically, it may take three or four days before it decides to do it. I don't know how how Apple yeah. do that. I mean, well, also it depends what you're doing the phone. If you're using the phone, I don't see it automatically updating. No, I'll be looking for a quiet spell where you know, yeah. you've got it in charge yeah. and nothing's yeah. happening. Yeah. It would tend to do it in the middle of the night when you're on. Um, yeah. You know when it's on charge. Just just the habit. I do. I I update it myself. You know, just, yeah. I, I do as well, or, yeah. I, you know, if I see something, say, in software update available. But then also I run the betas, so, of course, you're always looking for the next update. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think most normal people just leave it and, you know, the phone will update itself sooner or later. Um, I mean, there are some people who say you're off, off, actually better off doing that because occasionally there'll be minor bug fixes, even if it's... 1601 they may still patch things in the two or three days before your phone auto updates you know they can have it can still be 1601 but a slightly later build where they patch some other tiny bug but um yeah i don't of course if you're uh if you're if if you're one of the really normal people you're probably thinking what is this popping up on my phone cancel cancel go away Go away, get it, but go away. Not another pop, not another pop-up. Yeah, another pop-up. <laughs> go away indeed. Um, I've so, got a few friends who we wouldn't even know what, uh, they wouldn't even know what to do when, when you know, an update comes yeah, along. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. At the moment, one of, at, one, at the moment, one of the uh, TVs <clears throat> at church keeps trying to update itself every time we switch it on. <laughs> And I keep saying, no, we're no. just about to start a service. Go away. Don't do that. Don't well, do I've that. I've had that before the show started. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Open stuff. Yeah. Do, do, on do you the, on the computer. Yeah. Do you want to do an update? No, I do not. Not right now. Not please. Please not now. I'll do it later. There we are. Um, what else have we got? Oh, this this one is sort of... Um, it, I've put it in Apple because it's about Apple. Um, and it was Apple who said this. But it is a bit of a... Duh, really? Um, Apple says the iOS 16 new haptic keyboard option might affect your battery life. Um, And as in the Slack and before the show, we went like, no, really? Something that vibrates a little motor inside your phone every time you tap a key is, you know, somehow going to magically not use any battery power? That's a bit... um... (laughs) Yeah, it's a little bit like them coming up with a new technology that says, uh, "Yes, we've made your, we've made the screen three hundred percent brighter." Yeah, your battery mm. life is now ten minutes, but no, let's not worry about that. Let's <laughs> not worry about that. It's the same with the, the, the always-on screen um, with the new fourteens. I think I'd be sure yeah. switching that off. Um, partly because it's a distraction, but also simply to save power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it can be you, the always on screen yeah. on the 14 Pros can be turned off altogether by in uh, mm-hmm. settings. 
And actually, as you've brought that up, Jim, I will jump forward to one of the uh, worth chirps, which is um, the iPhones always on display is worse than Androids, but this trick can help. And this is from CNET. I'm not sure I totally agree with the headline, but they um, explain here that how to set up your always on display to use a focus mode, which basically dims it right down to just the sort of the date and the time and possibly any widgets. So basically um, your, you know, your uh, wallpaper is dimmed right down to black, which makes it less obtrusive because several people on podcasts I've uh, listen to are at the moment unsure about the always on screen because they say it's so bright it doesn't dim anywhere near as much as they expected it to um mm-hmm. and I, th- I think jeff gamut said uh, you know at the moment every time i look at my phone i have a micro moment of panic because i think why is it not switched off why is it not switching the screen off <laughs> <laughs> Because we've all been told for years and years the best thing you can do to um, preserve your battery life is to keep the screen, you know, uh, only as bright as you absolutely need it and to uh, set the shut-off time to, you know, as as short as possible. Um, so there we are. So, yes, there's mm-hmm. a link there, but there are – there's um, – there's uh, instructions on how to set up a focus mode, which will turn your screen uh, all basically all the way down uh, to the absolute minimum. Um, that that is a thing, you know. That it is a thing amongst, particularly amongst electric car drivers. There's the battery obsessives. <laughs> there's people who just obsess all the while about batteries. Yes. Well, I mean, <laughs> oh, don't, don't. Don't 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 go under ten percent, or don't go over eighty percent. Whatever you do, because, oh my god, oh, no, no, your don't do that. Die. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know. I mean, the other one. Um, again, I haven't put a link in the show notes, but the other one. Um, there was one I saw the other day. Oh yes, I I remember. Like obviously in iOS sixteen, they brought back the ability to show the battery percentage. Um, in the in the yes in the battery um it's no longer to the side it's now inside the battery and um after some user feedback they've changed it slightly so that if you have the battery percentage inside the battery the um the colored portion of the battery still um uh, decreases as your battery gets used because in the initial one it didn't and that threw people even though they had the battery percentage in figures which is a bit like um i mean Apple originally removed it partially for the space when they introduced the notch and partially um because they said it you know showing an absolute percentage in the in the display caused people with battery anxiety to be constantly looking at the at the battery percentage and worrying about it um I'll be honest yeah. on my phone I turned it on for about 2 hours when I when it first popped up as available in the betas, and I went, do you know what? I really don't care. I don't need to know the battery percentage. You know, when I had um, earlier iPhones from the first one till about probably the five, I guess I cared what the battery percentage was in absolute terms. But on the more modern people ones, just get the battery lasts people just get day, used so fine, you know. It- yeah, people just get used to stuff, though, don't they? I mean, um, so the last car I had showed a percentage on the screen, and sometimes the percentage is more accurate than the algorithm that you use to generate how much mileage you've got. Mm. Um, and in some cars, it matters more than others. I mean, the one I've got at the moment doesn't show you a percentage, but its mileage estimate is reasonably good, so yeah. I don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> no, so, um, you know... If you if you suffer from battery anxiety, you might be better off turning show the percentage off because I find the you know decreasing bar in the battery um, at the top of the screen perfectly adequate. Um, so there yeah, you go. if you've got battery anxiety, I've got someone you can talk to. Just give me a ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stop worrying about it. <laughs> Turn the damn percentage thing off and you'll worry far less. Um, There we are. Ah, what else? Um, 
Oh, this this one. I fix it. Uh, the one I've linked to here is the Verge. But Apple's hidden redesign makes iPhone 14 much easier to fix. And iFixit gave it the uh, best repairability score since the iPhone 7, I think. Um, giving it 7 out of 10. Um, because the iPhone 14 non-pro, by the way, uh, the the back panel can now be removed um, separately without having to go all the way in from the front uh, because it has a new torsional rigidity layer, apparently, um, between the front components and the back components. And therefore, things that need to be repaired from the back uh, can be got up more easily by taking the back off and the things at the front, obviously, you take the front screen off. Um, and this is a, apparently, a, you know, a massive improvement. And uh, uh, the the pros, the new pros, do not have this new design. They have the older design. Um, so there you go. Apparently, I assume yeah, interesting. This, this new design will come to the pros probably next year. Um, so is this Apple being accommodating or is it just easier for Apple? Because <laughs> my guess, my guess that after all these years, is it's probably just easier for Apple. It's, I'm it's just sure easier for them to do it this way. It's, it's easier for everybody, I think, is the point. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it could be um, pressure from the right to repair um, campaign that's on yeah. in America. Have Apple had any notice of them in the past? <laughs> So, I don't know. But um, I believe, I forget what the costs are, but um, iFixit notes that a repair job um, could cost up to $599, which is with the previous design. And um, I forget the, what they quoted the price uh, of replacing the iPhone 14 uh, back is and it's way less it's like 120 dollars or something don't quote me on that because i don't have the figures but it's um and i fix it actually said that apple are not ripping you off here it's that changing back components in the previous design in involves actually disassembling the whole phone to get the back off um and with the new design you can get to the back components by taking the back off and the front components by taking the front off uh, making it much easier for everybody, be that those who wish to repair it themselves or for Apple themselves, which is almost certainly the driving factor. Um, so there you go. So I think the thing that you probably see a brand new design of both phones because it's uh, what is it, a couple of years since they brought out this new squared off um, mm. model. Is the 12 not a flat-sided one, or was that a round-sided one? Uh, when did they bring in the flat-sided one? 12, I think? Or maybe it was the 11? Rough, so we're roughly due next year a complete redesign. So maybe maybe they might incorporate you know a lot more fe uh, repairable features on them, hopefully. Well, they've got rid of the SIM card in America. Uh, that'll probably come to us next year. Uh, no maybe. SIM cards. Apparently, um, no. I also read a piece which I didn't bother to link, but in the teardown of the US model with no uh, no SIM tray, the uh, the space where the SIM tray would normally go is filled with a plastic spacer. So Apple didn't make any mm. use of that. All the phones are exactly the same, just in the US. They don't bother to cut the hole in the side and insert a SIM tray. They've just got a plastic spacer. What they do need to bring in notes here is USB-C because that's one of the complaints about the iPhone 14 Pro model. If you've got a lot of high-res um, video and photographs on that device, it can take you forever to get this stuff off the phone because it's still got lightning. So yeah. I think I think they need to get they, they definitely need to de do something like put uh, USB-C into the phones next year. I suspect next year they will have USB-C for two reasons. One is that, and the second is that I'm, you know, the EU are mandating USB-C for 2024, um, and I mm -hmm. can't see Apple wanting to have a version of the phone for six months and then have to 
you know, start releasing a modified one. That doesn't make sense. So I'm expecting to see USB-C next year. Um, I wonder why they didn't bring you, um, start again. I wonder why they didn't bring in the SIM card free models worldwide. Mm. Uh, no idea. I guess at the moment it's just, uh, they can guarantee, I sp- suppose, that all the big carriers in the US support eSIMs and, um, they can't guarantee that elsewhere in the world. Um, mm. I'm sure, I believe Apple say 160 countries in the world support eSIMs, but um, Mm -hmm. no doubt there are places that don't. Apparently parts of East Africa don't have carriers that support eSIMs at the moment and uh, various other places. It was actually only, it was only in the last, what, the last month that I discovered that, I mean, (laughs) yeah, um, I should have known, but... uh, Sorry, only this last month discovered that you can actually put a second line on your phone uh, using an eSIM. Because um, we were talking about this for uh, for work, because uh, we were using their own phones for, for work use. Uh, and, of course, they have, everybody has our number, you know, your own personal number, uh, which means that you get calls at any time of the day. You get, you know, you get messages all the time. Whereas if you had the uh, works number, um, you can switch that off and have your own personal number you know, when you're out of work. Um, yep. I should really get something. I should really should do something like that. You know, get a number from the work, and I can get peace and quiet at night. Yeah, yeah, you could get yes because um, I forget when they introduced the e or brought the e-sims in. I think a lot of people, a lot of us, you know, forget that that's actually there. It's available. Mm-hmm. I forget when they brought it in, um, because of the new the new uh, US ones will support up to eight installed eSIMs, I believe. Although you can mm-hmm. only have t- you can only have two active at any one time. But I, I think the point of that is if you're a frequent traveller, you know, around the globe, you can have you know a, a French eSIM and a you know a I don't know whatever mm-hmm. you know South African eSIM and a Argentinian ECM and or whatever. Um, it seems to be a bit of a hoo-ha in America about the the SIM free design. Um, I, I, I think it's I think this, the SIM free side of it is actually much much better than you know a SIM card because you've got to wait for the SIM card to arrive unless you buy it in store. Uh, with the SIM free, it's just a QR code. And I think I think that's right and saying. You just scan it and you've instantly got your number. It's all yep. up and running. It's a good idea. I think a lot of, like a lot of these things, some of the people who are complaining would never, ever do any such thing anyway, but they're just, oh, well, now I can't go to France and buy a French mm-hmm. SIM card and put in it. Whereas, yeah, and how many times have you actually done that in the last 15 years? Oh, none. I'm sure there are people who mm-hmm. do, you know, international business people and, and so on. But no, I think for most people it's a non-issue. It's just, a, oh, but it's a change. Um, it, it's also um, a security feature because I'm sure we've all heard of the swim, you know, the SIM swap scam where people get um, hacked by somebody um doing a trick which allows them to swap the sims and claim to be you and then empty all your bank account. So, yeah, there we go. So, uh, what else have we got? Um, uh, so, what else do we have? Um, apparently, some Apple Watch Series 8 and Ultra users are experiencing microphone issues, according to Mac Rumors. Um, apparently they are getting a message which says measurement suspended. The noise app cannot check sound levels when Apple Watch is in water lock or while the microphone or speaker is in use. Um, a growing number of user reports online suggest the microphone on some new Apple Watch Series 8 and Ultra models can become persistently unresponsive after an unspecified amount of time. Um, which causes apps which rely on the mic to throw up errors and stop working. Um, Based on reports, this issue can be temporarily resolved by restarting your Apple Watch until the bug eventually reappears, suggesting the problem is software rather than hardware. Um, 
apparently updating to the latest post-release version of watch i uh, watch os 9 does not fix the issue um, and apple is currently aware of this um there we go um it appears to me that it appears to me that a, a lot of apple's systems now are becoming um over time you get bloat software bloat don't you and, you do. um the more features you add, the more complex it gets, and the more likely it would there is that of something unexpected happening when you change something. Mm. Um, and it seems to me that a lot of these teething issues are simply that they're just little things that have snuck through that Apple hadn't noticed and weren't expecting. Yeah, uh, and that's software develop that software development. I mean, that's it is. It's <laughs> just what happens. It's just what happens. I'm afraid that's just life. Um, you know, it's like if you go out and buy the first of a, you know, first of a new Ferrari, you'll be the one who finds all the bolts that come loose and the bits of trim that don't stay stuck down and all the rest. Um, everything is like that. Yeah, there was a, there's, most companies have legacy software that I know Apple aren't that guilty of that because they've changed things fairly substantially in the last 10, 20 years um, where they've thrown everything out and started again. Um, but a lot of companies have problems with legacy software that means that, you know, if if they're going to change anything that might touch this legacy software, <laughs> it's all tread very, very, very likely indeed. Yeah, that's right. Basically, yeah, if you buy... A new product. You're the beta tester. Well, You're the one that finds all the bugs and things. That's yes, but some still some still trickle their way through into the user um, experience to, in the first month or two, don't they? Which, which is what we're seeing at the moment. Yeah. When it's uh, Mac OS and iPad OS due out, talking about software. Oh, I don't know. I don't think Later that's this year. I, it, they haven't set an official date, um, as far as I'm aware. Um, they will almost certainly launch when they bring out the new Macs, whenever yeah. that might be, um, because the new Macs will almost certainly require it. The same as when I bought an M1, it required, was it Monterey or was it Big Sur at the time? I don't know. Anyway, you know, it, it required whatever the latest release was, because that's... That's how these things work. Um, there you go. Um, iOS 16 will change passwords forever, um, which is a YouTube link where somebody is talking about the new um, pass keys feature, which we've talked about in the past. Um, and to go with that, um, I have a piece from LifeWire which is how to use pass keys on the iPhone, iPad, or Mac, uh, which also explains the very many different names it might go by on different uh, services. Um, yeah. Um, just a wee bit, just, sorry, just a wee bit of warning about if you go into if you go into that link, uh, Simon, it goes to YouTube. What the one about that? Sorry, Jim. Um, the link you have uh, in the show notes, uh, if you click on it, it actually starts a YouTube video. Yeah, it is uh, that because it's a YouTube video. I just didn't yeah, put that yeah. in the notes yet. Um, the how to use pass keys is uh, a LifeWire article which um, explains how to uh, use the pass key feature. Um, and as I say, yeah, I'm looking forward to obviously looking forward to this. The sooner the better that everyone yes. gets on board and we can stop worrying about passwords. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll give you, give you an example of why I'm looking forward to it, and that is because I went and started the subscription for um, 1Password 8 and I downloaded the app. And I think uh, I think I lasted about an hour, to, or just slightly over an hour, before I was tearing my hair out because I could not get the thing to work. I couldn't get the migration to work from seven to eight, and eventually I just cancelled my subscription. So yeah, the sooner that this comes, the better. Yeah, I've, I've always found that one password is a little bit fiddly to set up. Um, it's good. It's good when it when well, it see, works. It, it, it's it's even setting it up in the first place. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, sooner we can do without passwords altogether, that would be good. <laughs> I think we all hate them. 
What well, well, I'd like to know about this new system is can you transfer passwords, you know, from like one password to this new system? No, there are no passwords. No, it doesn't use any passwords. The whole point of the thing is there's no passwords. So, no, you won't be able to transfer passwords from previous. Uh, from so, previous basically, what you're going to have to do, basically, what you're going to have to do then is you, you, you log into the account and then each one you get to, you've got to. That's a, well, that's unless the, unless it's possible. I think I have read this somewhere that it might be possible that, that some of the, what, the password managers will integrate passkeys into themselves so that it'll just get passed over. I don't yes. know whether that's true or not. Right. I, I'm sure that I'm sure that the password managers will, you know, sign on to it. I mean, it's a, as it says here, um, right, you will require iOS 16 or higher. You require an ac account on a site or an app which supports passkeys, which at the moment, you know, may be more or less than you'd hope. Um, yeah. It says when you log into an account, go to the pass account settings, look for the security options. Um, the menu which lets you create a passkey may be called passkey, FIDO2, FIDO credentials, CTAP, face or fingerprint sign in or web author, which stands for web authorization. Um, all of these names refer to the technology Apple uses to create passkeys, which is obviously the industry standard. Um, so there you go. Um, and then it explains why it's a um, why it's a good thing. Um, so that's worth a read if you're interested in finding out how passkeys work and why they're a good thing. Um, mm -hmm. uh, okay. Uh, how to change AirPods Pro volume with the swipe control. Uh, tips on finger placement and more. This is on 9to5Mac, uh, which explains, uh, you know, in a little bit of depth how the volume control on uh, the new AirPods Pro 2 uh, works. Well, one of the main things, of course, is there's a little groove in the stalk, which is touch sensitive. It's not all over the stalk. You can't just touch it anywhere. You have to put your finger um you have to put your finger on the slight little groove um, molded into the stem. So there you go. Um, all seems fairly sensible to me. Um, apparently, uh, iPhone 14 Pro fit now features live sports scores on iOS 16.1, which um, I think is still that's still in beta, isn't it? 16.1, but the the live uh, events uh, feature, which was promised by Apple, could be coming in 16.1, which is probably not far off. I'll be honest. Um, I forget mm -hmm. what I forget what beta number we're up to now. Six, I think. Um, they rarely go beyond eight before they're published. So um, we, you can look forward to that if you want to have. Um, live events on your phone um which uh obviously on the iphone 14 pros if it comes into the uh dynamic island and for everybody else it just sits at the bottom of your screen in uh, where the notifications are anyway um so that's something to look forward if you have a pro or if you're just looking forward to live sports scores um Apparently, according to Mac rumours as well, a new Apple campus at London's Battersea Power Station is due to open in early uh, 2023. So um, 1,400 new Apple employees will move from eight locations around London to occupy a new UK office space. Uh, there we go. Um, Battersea Power Station, for those who don't know, as it says here, is a decommissioned coal-fired power station in southwest London, um, regarded as an iconic landmark to its, due to its art deco fittings and status of one of the world's largest brick buildings. Um, there you are. Um, so, Jolly good. So what does that mean? Does that 
is that can we visit it <laughs> um i've no idea is it, it doesn't is is it visitable like like the uh, apple campus in uh, uh, doesn't say does it no it doesn't say uh, battersea power station and its surrounding area has undergone a painstaking restoration process in recent years apple is expected looks to cool anyway the uh about 40 percent um yeah the uh the uh artist impressions look cool so. yep um i would i would guess they might have a visitor center of some sort um I think it would have something like a, a shop like they have in the Marble Campus in America. Maybe. It's the only, only place you can go to to get Apple T-shirts and Apple this, that and the next thing. Unless you go to America, mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't buy these things. I mean, it says Apple is expected to occupy about 40% of the power station, including the top six floors inside the former boiler room uh, around a central atrium with enough room for 3,000 employees. There will also be three floors of shops, bars and restaurants, uh, a 24,000 square foot food hall, 253 apartments around a garden square in the sky and a 2,000 seat auditorium, cinema and more. Um, Sounds so cool. You, in theory, will be able to go to the Battersea Power Station, even if you're not actually allowed to go into the Apple campus itself. But um, yeah, we shall see Jolly what good. happens there. Um, it's nice um, and nice to see the Battersea Power Station refurbishment finally finished. I, I think they started that back in the eighties. Oh yeah, it's been a long time ongoing. My younger brother was at the London College of Print in the, I don't know, 84 or something like that. And um, I know that they were his, his um, I think his actual college rooms were out in Battersea. And I believe they were started gutting it then. So it's been going on for a long time. There we are. That is a long time. Yeah. Um, uh Oh, yes. OK, this is a bit of a duh, one of the duh questions, uh, which Vinny or the squirrels could tell you. Uh, Mac Rumours, I believe this is Mac Rumours, yes. Don't, oh, no, sorry, it's the wrong one. I've, that's the wrong link. But um, the link for this one is, uh, where have I done with it? Uh, well, I'll find, the, I'll find the link later. But um, I think it was Cult of Mac, which says... Uh, don't open your Apple Watch Ultra because unlike the other um unlike the other Apple Watches, the back is screwed on with four screws. It's not glued in place. Um and I will find the link. Um which basically one of the writers uh took apart his Apple Watch Ultra and then said, I'm sure the waterproofing is now utterly ruined because uh i've put it back together but now all the little tiny o-rings are not flush they're all squished out of the holes so that was never <laughs> the series yeah. seven on amazon is 399 pounds uh yes that's the that was the next one which is if you don't require an apple watch ultra or a series eight amazon has record low prices um on series seven models um, I don't know if this is available in the UK, um, mm-hmm. but yeah. the, the 45 millimeter, cellular, yeah, 45 millimeter cellular Apple Watch Series Seven is discounted to four hundred dollars, down from five twenty nine, um, which seems a pretty good deal to be honest. Um, if you you know, you if can, you, you, you can pay it off over a year. You can pay it off over five months, or pay it in full. Mm. So yeah, I, I think um, I, still Gaz. I think Gaz mentioned this the other day on um, on um, my Mac, um, and I I think I think Carl might have mentioned it as well on Mac and Forth. But anyway, as several people have said, you know, if if you've got an older watch but you don't really want to go all the way to an eight, get a second hand. You know, get a get a seven. Because they'll be discounted, so always yeah. an option. And the and the way we're going, you might as well just read, put a pound sign in front of the dollar, and yes. probably be correct. 
it's been the Apple stuff's always been pretty much a, a pound for the dollar. Um, I expect Apple price. Well, now it really is. Now it nearly <laughs> is. Yes. Is it at the minute? Yeah. Oh dear. Do you know what? I remember that. It Apple's... went down to a it went down to a pound and uh, uh, a oh. dollar and three. A dollar and three. I think overnight. Yeah, overnight. It's oh. now back up to about a dollar and seven. I think. Oh dear. I remember the absolute panic which gripped markets in the UK when the pound went below two dollars. Uh, yeah, yeah, I I I went to America that the year that I was getting two dollars to the pound. I remember that. Yes, and then it it went down, and it's been going down gradually ever since. To be honest, um, we stuck yes, it down about, and down and down. We, we stuck at about one dollar fifty for a long time. Um, yeah, there you go. It's, we won't get into the politics of that, but um, right at the moment, the pound is. Basically, one for one, um, which is not good news for us, as I fully expect Apple to crank the prices up over here um, to compensate soon enough. There we are. Um, there we are. So uh, we've got no John with us today. No John Nemo. Um, he's waiting for more products to arrive at the hardware store. So... Um, what shall we press on? Let's go to Vinny and the Squirrels. Vinny and the Squirrels. Why um, not? Vinny and the Squirrels, uh, not versus Ming-Chi Kuo. Oh, yes, here we go. I've, I've put it in. in, in uh, don't open your Apple Watch Ultra from Cult of Mac. Look, that's where I've put it because it's a uh, duh, really. Um, the, the bottom of the Apple Watch has four... <laughs> P5 pent load screws allowing the, these are the same sort of screws that hold the bottom of a MacBook. Um, and there's pictures here of him taking the back off and exposing the back. Um, and then he says, at this point, I put everything back together as well as I could, and it proved difficult to reattach the ribbon cables. The buttons to remove the watch band now lacked some minuscule springs and now rattle with the watch haptics. And the little rubber O rings around the screw stick out a bit. With the O-rings out of place and the adhesive seal broken, the waterproofing of this watch is certainly nowhere near factory standard. Um, so basically, there's probably there's probably there's probably instructions in the terms and conditions which say you know n none of the parts inside this watch are serviceable. Do not oh, yeah. open. <laughs> I'm sure it is, as he said. Um, We'll no doubt see a more complete teardown of the watch from iFixit. They will venture further into the Apple Watch Ultra than I did. I'm sure someone more skilled than I can do a better job at disassembling and reassembling the watch without doing so much damage to the waterproofing. I would certainly recommend waiting for their guide to feed your curiosity rather than taking apart your own watch as you could be left with a non-waterproof or even worse broken version of the most durable smartwatch yet. So that's a bit of a yeah, duh, but why did he do it? Because he could. Um, and so if you really want to see sort of part of the inside of an Apple Watch Ultra without taking yours apart, have a look at that and take his advice. Don't do it. There we are. So that was, that was <laughs> one. Um, and then this one, I believe, is Mark German, um, which says, um, this is on CNET, Apple may release a 15-inch MacBook Air, a new Mac Pro, and more in 2023. <sighs> wow. <laughs> Apple may release new stuff at some point in the future. <laughs> Thank you for that, Mr. German. Vinny says, rubbish, sausages. <laughs> yes, more likely sausages. <laughs> uh, we could see an, I, an M3 iMac, a new HomePod, a virtual reality headset, and a larger iPad. I think these are all things that Vinny and the Squirrels could equally well predict, um, and probably with as Indeed. much, equally as much, uh, you know, likelihood of them being correct. There we go. Um, would you like to? Uh, would you like to hear about my? Uh... Oh, investigations yes. this week. Yes, indeed. So I, so I, I like a lot of people. I don't get anywhere near the amount of paper coming through my letterbox as I once did, um, but I still have quite a lot of it hanging around. And I thought, 
maybe it's about time that I scanned all this stuff and I've got one or two printers that have scanners and but I'm thinking I could really do with something that scans a bit more efficiently than this and that I can just feed stuff into so uh, I went out and I have purchased though not yet received a um, Fujitsu ScanSnap uh, uh, iX1500 um, but that's not the main part of the story really that what I also wondered was well if I'm going to scan all this stuff where am I going to put it um, and if you do a search for um, note taking apps or um, document storage if, actually if you search for document storage you get an, all stop, an awful lot of um, enterprise level stuff coming up which doesn't help very much because obviously I'm not an enterprise um, but if you do a search for note-taking apps there's actually a lot out there and there's one guy who's actually collected together about 60 odd of them uh, and that he categorizes them in different ways there's the librarian which is very much what I'm looking to do where I just want to store these documents and be able to search them uh, and then there's other apps that search for note-taking where you might have lots of ideas that you want to draw together. You know, they're a little bit like mind mapping apps, really. Um, I can't remember what he called those. One was a garden. One was a gardener. One was librarian. And there was another one I can't remember. Um, anyway, he then went through quickly and went through a lot of these. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. The top of the, top of the pile, of course, is Evernote, which seems to uh, get a lot of attention because it's very versatile. But the problem with Evernote is yet another subscription thing if you if you want to use it regularly um it's free i think if you if you're only doing a fairly small amount i think it's a, a gigabyte of upload a month or something like that um but uh so i i started to watch through this and then found an app called upnote which actually isn't very different to evernote i mean obviously it hasn't got all the features that evernote's got but it's got syncing across devices and um for this one um the premium version is uh, about twenty twenty four five dollars. I think I said. Yes. Um, yeah, and uh, but that's for life. That's lifetime, um, unless they go to a subscription model, of course. Which <laughs> who knows they could. Uh, but at the moment, it isn't a subscription model, uh, and all the stuff you upload gets stored locally, uh, and you can choose to back it up elsewhere as well. Um, and so far, it's pretty good. And actually, I don't know whether it's just me, but I think it's faster than Evernote. So opening a PDF. So I've got one here in front of me now. If I click on it, out the top. It's almost instantaneous, which Evernote tends to take a little bit more time over things, presumably because it's doing clever stuff in the background. Um, so, uh, so far, I really like it. So I think I'd recommend it. If anyone's looking for an alternative to Evernote, which works very similarly to Evernote, then Upnote seems as a good, a good place to store things. You can do folders and... Uh, you can categorize things, you can tag things just like you can in um, in Evernote. Um, so, yeah, so there you go. So that's what I've been having to play with. I've been having a look through these apps uh, and I'm just waiting for my device to arrive now so I can get scanning. Oh, excellent. So uh, I've just I've just brought that up. It's uh, getupnote.com, for those who care, available for Mac, Windows, Linux, iOS and Android. Um, oh, yeah. Can you, can you just use the iOS app and not use the Mac app? I believe so. Is it a standalone? Yeah, you can do. I think so, yeah. I say, if you want it for free, it's limited to only 50 notes. So that's a bit of a limitation yeah. if you if you want to use it for storing a lot of stuff. But um, um, So that's 50 all in for, or 50 a year? No, that's 50 all in. Just you can't all in? Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's not, uh, I suppose in some ways Evernote's better for if you're going to upload stuff occasionally, uh, but you want to have mm -hmm. quite a lot of stuff in there, and Evernote's a better cho choice. Uh, but if you're thinking of uploading a lot of stuff into it, then um, then that's a subscription for Evernote, and it's a one-off cost in Upnote. And not unreasonable, $25 is not an unreasonable amount go. of money to... Uh, uh, you can I, I remember uh, I used to use Evernote. And then they brought in the subscription, and I just said no, <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, that was a long, long time ago. Well, Upnote here it says Upnote Premium for uh, iOS, Android, or Mac uh, is available at ninety-nine cents a month subscription, or twenty-five dollars for a lifetime license. So there you go. Yeah, 
I thought it was worth paying the 25 Well, yes. Because I intend to fill it with stuff. Yes. I, I think the point there is, you know, if you want to try it first, you can picture yes. a couple of months' worth of mm. um, thing. And oh, it's also got, uh, it, uh, like Evernote, it's also got um, web clipper extensions that will come plug into Chrome, Safari, or Firefox. Um, yeah, and you can also share your notes with friends or readers via a secret web link. Um, link your notes, have sticky window while taking notes, lock your notes, backup and version history available. Uh, uh, yeah. And for those people who like, um, what's it called? What's that language called that everyone seems to use? Uh, what, Markdown? Uh, Markdown. Mark, yeah, it supports, Mark, it supports Markdown. Yeah. Everything, everything in the world supports Markdown these days, I think. Um, there we go. So yeah, that looks good. I'll put that link in the. I'll put that in the. Uh, I'll put that in the notes. Um, Jolly good. So excellent. Um, so what else then? Uh, so while we're on those, then let's do the rest of the worth of chirp slash essential tips. We've done the uh, always not? on. We've done the always on display uh, tip from CNET. Um, GitHub have uh, an app called Trom uh, from Trombones, spelt uh, Trombone, you know, with a Z. Uh, no Tunes, a simple <coughs> Mac OS application, prevents iTunes or Apple Music from launching. Um, I can't remember who sent this. Might have been Donny. Um, basically, a Mac OS application prevents iTunes or Apple Music from launching, um, and Launch no tunes and iTunes music will no longer be able to launch. For example, when you connect your Bluetooth headphones, uh, you can toggle functionality with a menu bar icon with a simple left click. Um, there you go. If you're annoyed, I, I must admit I haven't suffered from it lately, but I did have a period where um, every time I've tried to connect my headphones or earbuds or whatever apple music would unhelpfully launch so um not something i've suffered from yeah. recently but if you do suffer from that this uh this github uh trombones no tunes uh will prevent that from annoying you um, and you can turn it off when you actually want to launch itunes or uh, apple music so there we go that's that one um Pixel Mater Pro 3 has come out. Um, this is on tidbits. Uh, Pixel Mater 3, nicknamed Muse, is a major release. It introduces 200 design uh, templates built in, customizable mock ups, and so on. Uh, and it's free for existing users. So if you're an existing user of Pixel Mater Pro, it's free. It's $40 for new customers, and it requires Big Sur or later. Um, there you go. That's Pixelmator Pro, which, you know, some people like, some people don't. There you go. It's a perfectly good app. Um, this is one. I, was this you, Jim, who put this one? Hidden Bar? Did you put that one? Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, Hidden Bar. Again, um, is a simple little app. It does a similar thing to Bartender, um, although it's much less featured than Bartender. If you are, um, you know, if you're if you're big on Bartender, this would probably not do your thing. I used to use um, an app called Vanilla, which uh, does a very similar thing indeed, but unless you pay him three dollars or something, uh, won't launch on. Um, you know, won't launch on op uh, open on launch of, you know, when you log in. Um, this one is called Hidden Bar from a company called the Dwarves Foundation. Um, I've been trying it for a few days and it does exactly what it says on the tin. There's a little divider. You can move the um, icons you don't wish to see in your menu bar you know, on the right-hand side of your menu bar all the time and uh, a little arrow to, like a disclosure arrow, which you click and all the ones to the uh, to the left of the divider disappear until you click to reveal them. Um, simple enough. This is free and open source and uh, you can find it under Hidden Bar in the Mac App Store. So... 
and I'm finding it useful. I mean, the main advantage to me over vanilla is I don't have to launch vanilla every time um, I log in. So there you go. Um, and the other one is get upnote uh, courtesy of Nick there. So um, I think we're nearly done. Um, couple of security and privacy uh, comments. Yeah. Um, is public Wi-Fi safe? We compromised a network to test it. The Washington Post. This is uh, not a very long piece, but it's quite interesting. It's worth a read if you care about these things. I'm sure Dougie might have something to say about it. But basically, what they're saying is, um, you know, coffee shop, uh, Wi-Fi and such like is nowhere near as uh, dangerous as it, you know, used to be and because nearly everything uses HTTPS um, and that actually there are lots of better ways for people to get at your information should they want to than doing the rather risky thing of setting up a fake Wi-Fi or attacking uh, a public Wi-Fi. Um, there you go. Worth a read. Um, as it says, you know, that doesn't mean you should trust public Wi-Fi um, unreservedly. But it's not anywhere near as dangerous as some people like to make out. I would still personally recommend using a VPN if you're using public Wi-Fi to do anything other than, you know, do Twitter or look at your Instagram posts or whatever. But uh, it's worth a read, definitely. Um, we probably don't need to be as worried about public Wi-Fi as some of us uh, might think. And um, last of all, we're launching Proton Drive. This is Proton, our friends at Proton. Um, this is a uh, this is a YouTube um, little YouTube video from Proton explaining about their new Proton Drive, which is you know a fully encrypted um, cloud drive. Um, I've been on the beta for quite a while. I admit I admit I haven't used it that much. Um, I've put a couple of things in there just to, you know, play around with. But unlike uh, Dropbox or um, or OneDrive, it, it's not a syncing service. You have to put things into it. Um, it's more like Box, to be honest, um, yeah. if, you're, if you're familiar with Box. Um, and the amount of storage you get, I believe, at the moment is related to... Um, how much storage you have via your Proton Mail account, but I'm sure that uh, I should probably look into it uh, more now it's actually been formally launched. But um, I'm, I have not looked up pricing as of yet. But uh, if you're interested in that, if you you know if you're interested in a secure cloud storage, um, worth taking a look at Proton Drive from our friends at Proton. There we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that just about uh, covers it all, I think. Uh, have we got anything else? Oh, don't forget uh, don't forget Jim's Jim's cap cut that he put in the notes in the uh, oh the video editor. Oh, yes. Um, cap cut. Yes. Did you want to tell us about cap cut, um, Jim? Hello, Jim. Hello. He's back. Are you back? Did you fall off? My say is it automatically updates itself. Oh, dear. Okay, uh, Nick has <laughs> just just reminded me that you were talking. You wanted to talk about CapCut before we go. No, it was just um, it was something that was said on um, my Mac show about this CapCut, a video editor which seems to be free. Uh, it's less complicated. Oh, what's the other? The other screen, mate. The other free. Um, what Luma Fusion? Oh, no, it's one of the more professional ones. Name's gone in my head. Well, uh, Da Vinci. To the da Vinci, yeah, the free version oh, well, of Da Vinci. Yeah, well, Da Vinci is very yeah, much a, a lot less complicated to use. Uh, but I haven't actually tried it yet. Okay. There's a Mac and uh, an iOS and iPhone version. Okay. So no, I might go in and have a look at that. A free all-in-one video editing solution for everyone everywhere. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, it appears to be free. It's getting yeah. good reviews. It looks... Um, well, get started for free. Um, da, da, da. Yeah, it looks a bit like uh, Auto iMovie. video maker uh, with music. Mm. 
Uh, okay, well, I'll put that in. Try. It might be. Um, looking at the interface, it looks reminiscent of um, iMovie. Nothing wrong with that, mm-hmm. I have to say. It's a perfectly good... That's because this is my Mac. Right, okay. Now, actually, now you mention it, I think... I think uh, yeah, I think um, Guy did mention that. Uh, I probably wasn't paying much attention to that because I don't do video. Um, a lot of people don't pay attention to Guy. No, no, I was listening, but... Um, <laughs> I was listening. Also, apparently oh, available here. It says to be available on Windows and Android. So, you know, it's... Uh, okay. Very good. So, uh, apparently, uh, what appears to be a free video editor for everyone. Um, and there you go. Right. Well, perhaps if you do use it, Jim, you can tell us about it next time. There. So... Mm. That's it. We've done. We've covered all the stories. So uh, I guess it's time to do the wrap-up. So um, we'll do the quick wrap-up, which is Nick is very rarely on uh, Twitter. <laughs> um, yes, don't even mention it. Don't no, even don't mention it. No, let's not bother. <laughs> let's not bother. Go to the Slack. Join us in the Slack. Follow the link in the show notes and join us all in the Slack. How about that? If you're interested in Jim's uh, photography, you can find the link to his uh, Flickr account down in the show notes uh, and also to Nick's church uh, services and videos, uh, which are also linked in the show notes. And you can follow me on the Twitter as at Serenak, S-E-R-E-N-A-K. And you can find all our stuff over at EssentialApple.com. Um, and that's probably it. So uh, thank you for listening. And uh, thank you to all the people who support us. And if you wish to support us, go over to the website and uh, join, you know, join Patreon and give us money or send us crates of beer or things, you know, that sort of thing. But yeah yeah jim has taken a liking to giraffe apparently whatever that is but uh you know they were multiplying he had half a dozen of them the other day (laughs) seven giraffes yeah there we go there we are so um until we come back next time we'll all say goodbye goodbye bye You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. Five, four, three, two, one. And we are go. Go, wait, go where? The commercial, Guy. We're recording a commercial for the MyMac.com podcast. Ah, so we're recording the podcast now. Well, well, no, not now. At the moment, we're recording this commercial. So when do we go? Go where? I don't know. You started this whole go thing. The G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. We have no idea what we'll say next.
This has been the Essential Apple Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and we look forward to you joining us again another time. Until then, goodbye. This looks, uh, it's actually interface looks very similar to um, DaVinci. Yeah, well, I it looks le- it, it looks obviously a lot less complicated than DaVinci because there's a lot less stuff, but it actually looks very similar, almost a clone looking. Well, I think it's like photo apps. They all tend to look, you know, much of a muchness on the whole. And I suspect, you know, video editors look much of a muchness on the whole. Because you've got to have, you know, you've got to have your uh, timeline at the bottom and your clips. Oh, wow. It's got lots and lots and lots of stickers (laughs) that you can stick on the screen. Very, very bright stickers. (laughs) Oh, wow. There's millions of them. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting. What sort of effects can you create? What do these do on? I don't know. Well, apparently the new Pixel Meter 3 is very much orientated to YouTubers. Is it? Um, I don't know how much photography is in that now. Well, it's still basically a photo app, I think. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, there we are. Oh, I see. It's it's applying weird filters to my... uh, how do you get, oh, you just double click on no, it. It's not It's not a very big screen, though, that's the thing. I don't seem to be able to resize it. Go away. Stop it. <laughs> Who? What? Wasn't it me? Oh, sign in, it says. <laughs> sign into what? I don't know. What's a blank screen? Oh, there we go. To... Sign, in with t- sign in with TikTok, sign in with Apple, sign in with Facebook, sign in with Google. What are you talking oh, about oh, now? Cut, cut, cut. Oh, didn't ask me to sign it. Well, it asked me to sign into my Apple account, but that's all. Well, it's, used, it's obviously only technical. asked me to sign into anything when I launched it. Oh, oh. oh I just clicked on um, a window there and it suddenly opened up the full screen. Hmm? Yes. Ah, oh, that looks quite good. Well, as I say, it's very similar to... Oh, yeah, I, all I did was uh, I clicked on Start <laughs> create, Start Creating. I didn't get a sign-up. Oh, I see. There is a sign-in thing here. Yes, I haven't seen that. I'd ignored that completely. <laughs> uh, yeah, as I say, once you're actually into the full-screen thing, it does look quite like uh, Da Vinci, mm-hmm. but with less buttons and things. You give it a try. You give it a try. Looks all right. That's, that's about another day. Yeah, not bad. Anything that's free is always worth a look. Yeah, it's all about you, but I'm going to go and make the tea. Yep. Yep. Yeah, sounds a good idea. You and me both.